welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan dive into the cinematic canon. And today's episode is pretty special. We are reviewing a movie that came out basically this weekend. My name is Isaac. I'm the casual and I'm joined with a guest expert, Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how you doing? Uh, pretty good, Isaac. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for stepping in last minute. Cameron is lost on a mountain. I actually FaceTimed him like uh, a couple days ago and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, you barely hear him. Everything's breaking up. He's like, I'm out here in the snow. I'm like, I don't think this kid's going to make it. But yeah, he's enjoying some time off. So um, thanks again for stepping in uh, to review this film. It just happened that we both had seen it. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm sure some of the audience wants to know what we think as well. But Juzo... Anything in life going on? What have you been watching? What's going on? Oh, nothing Nothing in particular to report. I've been watching a lot of really good movies I, uh, uh, recently, including uh, I just watched Seven again today. Kind of mm. semi in preparation for this because this movie is definitely inspired a lot by Seven. Which Have you seen Seven? No, I haven't. I don't know. Oh, well, we should definitely do Seven at some point. Just straight up one of the best films ever made and a great uh, investigative thriller. And then another kind of... Uh, mystery investigative movie i watched was the movie chinatown which again is hmm. just a classic great movie and also should be covered on here because those those are both definitely like in the cinematic canon for sure yeah this movie uh, i think the the jury's still out for for the batman uh, which, which yes. we're reviewing i know usually we give context cameron preps a show but i'm hosting so i'm lazy um <laughs> juzo maybe you can give it's us a background when we get <laughs> <laughs> when I mean, we, when to we get to it yeah. yeah um i haven't been watching much i've just been sort of watching some tv i finished avatar last airbender with my brother last night yeah. um i've seen it before love the show it's fun and not much else to report i think we're gonna start watching legend of Korra together um mm. and we also watched part of the phantom menace i'm not sure why i think that was a mistake we were just <laughs> really kind of going through the the prequels recently haven't you or some of them right? yeah it, it's been a weird order like we watched revenge of the sith and then half of attack of the clones earlier before that and then yeah it's it's weird the 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 phantom menace is this good blend between practical and cgi compared to the next two which are just all cgi overload mm-hmm. um so it's kind of neat to see how elements of the phantom menace have aged better than some elements in like revenge of the sith i guess um but it, it, that, that's just all well, visual effects you know i don't know i mean it's weird with those movies how they they there's a continuous pull for me to want to watch them again like i've i know they're bad and yet i have seen them many times even into my adulthood and i'm not exactly sure why i guess it's just fun to watch i know you said you're watching with your brother yeah 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 same like same with me I, I they're fun to watch i don't know they're the bad parts are fun to watch with your brother and then sometimes you're like hey that kind of was good you know especially revenge of the sith i think we talked about the music and how, yeah uh, there are really some strong parts of that movie despite you know the shakiness well i think what was weird about watching um the phantom menace again is that the film sort of like has a breakneck pace through the plot points that i thought were like a lot longer in the movie. I was just shocked because you're already in the Gungan city at 12 minutes, which I was like, hmm. really? Right, like I, right. I didn't realize that we were there this quick. And then they're off the planet in the first 25 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that they have, you know, in space touchdown go like they kind of move 
quickly and the movie kind of halts on Tatooine. But yeah, I just didn't remember it moving that quickly. And it's not that it's interesting. It's just, I think maybe Lego Star Wars had like extended the intro of that movie in my brain, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's true. Yeah. Cause it's, it's one chapter is just on that opening ship, I think. Yeah. Um, not yeah. to go deep on Lego Star Wars. Yeah. No, but never made, but yeah, it's, I, I just, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been fun to revisit those, but I'm genuinely excited to talk about the Batman. If you haven't been watching anything mm. else, Jizzo, we can just, oh, I don't have well, a hot take just, for you, but the, oh, if, yeah, throw one at me if you want. But I, the one other movie I want to mention, just in case you've seen it, d- did you see the last Fast and Furious movie? I think so. F F nine, the the one where they go to they go to space at one point. Yes, I have seen that movie. Yes, <laughs> I just watched it, and I've never seen the other ones. And I and I decided to watch this one because the film critic who I follow put it on his t- best of the year ten best films list. So really. Is this really any good? And the answer is no, it is not any good. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, like, and I really like that sort of like early on in the movie, they're racing, and I was like, oh, this this could, might be kind of fun, you know? But it just is not, I don't know. They're just not good. There's no sense of I don't know. I just am bored watching it, frankly. And and they're not yeah. funny, and it's just embarrassing, Frank. I don't know. I watched um seven, eight, and nine of the Fast and Furious movies. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. This last one was pretty like, I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like they were trying there. It was like an extra level of goofiness. And, um, I went with my sister's husband and you know, he's like, he likes the big popcorn blockbusters. And so mm-hmm. when they're in space, like he was just laughing his head off. He was like, <laughs> this is so fun. Like he, mm-hmm. he was like, this is just like the best moment ever, you know? Um, and I was like, you know, it's hard to take like more seriously when I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe Fast and Furious 7 because there's like I think that's the one with Paul Walker dying. Like mm-hmm. that movie has like some heart, mm-hmm. but there's also like the absurd stunts. Like to me, I feel like 7 is probably one, one of my favorites out of out of the three that I've seen. Maybe it was like the first one I saw was the one that was like the most like, wow, this is really out there kind of crazy yeah. you know i've gotta i've gotta go through the other movies because some of these ones people seem to genuinely like and if you look at the audience scores it's clear this one is not really even liked by the people who love the franchise um, yeah but um i don't know it's it, it is not not to dwell on this because it's like it's not really a film worth you know thinking that deeply about and it's definitely designed <laughs> for people like your you know your, your brother-in-law whoever you said yeah where it's you know just like oh it's, you laugh at how ridiculous it is but I do think it's interesting how there's there's a gradient of of how much movies can get away with either silliness or implausibility before I, where I'm either really enjoying it and thrilled by it or I'm laughing and enjoying it or I'm just bored and this was in the third right. category but then there, there's stuff like I was t- telling my dad about how you know in Indiana Jones the fourth one where Harrison Ford is old and he, yeah. he gets in a refrigerator and he survives <laughs> a nuclear right uh, right <laughs> like that to me is great it's hilarious and it's very tongue in cheek and mm-hmm. um, it's interesting how think like something like that to me does work but this i was just like uh, it, it is tiresome but, i yeah. i think that's you're you're hitting it right on the head i think that's what worked about the 7th movie that didn't really click with me in the 8th or the ninth where i was like 
more bored in those films compared to like, I don't know. There were there was something a little bit. They're still over the top, but there was something about the seventh one that I enjoyed more. Um, I I hear. I mean, I haven't seen the original, and I haven't seen um, Tokyo Drift. I hear a lot of things about Tokyo Drift, but yeah, that, I don't the know. Fifth one. People really like the fifth one. It seems like yeah. So. I'm not I'm not eager to jump into anything of the Fast and Furious trilogy, but we usually no. talk about better movies here on Cinema Spectator. You can support us at page.com slash ECFS Productions, throw a couple dollars our way, get an exclusive commentary track if we can ever get our act together this year and give some good content. So I'm not even gonna overpromise something we haven't delivered yet this year. Uh, we're grateful for the patrons that support us. Uh, you can also have a couple other benefits like having your questions read on air if anyone ever writes in and all this other stuff. Or you can support us in a free way by giving us a rating and telling friends and family. All that stuff helps this show grow. Juzo, I don't know anything about directors or anything about the cast of oh. this movie. I heard there was a guy in makeup that nobody could recognize. Do you want to give some context about the Batman or oh, what, just what's up? Who made it or whatever? I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. new reimagining of... I guess a reboot of of Batman. Everyone knows Batman. Uh, it's it's directed by Matt Reeves, who made uh, Cloverfield and the last two Planet of the Apes prequels. Which I'm not sure if you have you seen that new Planet of the Apes series. No, I'm not. Like I'm not a big. I don't know. The Planet of the Apes stuff just didn't interest me that much. But it's it was I I, I would have said the same thing, but I was very surprised how good those movies are. And actually, the original Planet of the Apes is like a great movie. To me, it really holds hmm. up. But uh, anyway, he, I was I was kind of excited about this movie on account of him. And then you have Robert Pattinson playing Batman, who has had a pretty extraordinary run of movies in his post uh, last 10 years uh, since Twilight, I guess, uh, which was sort of what made him famous. You know, all these movies like uh, Good Time or Tenet or uh, The Lighthouse, um, just, you know, many great performances. Um, the guy in makeup, are you talking about penguin? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's Colin Farrell. Yeah. Famously yeah. very good looking movie star Colin Farrell in full uh, fat suit and makeup for the penguin. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Um, I don't know. Did you want me to give a synopsis of the movie? I sure. Mean, yeah. It, Fire away. Oh, oh gosh. I mean, it's just basically a, a, um, serial killer movie and kind of a buddy cop movie where, uh, Batman is sort of teamed up with Gordon sort of as as uh, investigators of this uh, uh, the Riddler basically who's uh, killing a series of powerful people in Gotham I guess and hmm. there's also uh, Catwoman involved I, this is there's a reason I don't do pitches for movies this is not a very good <laughs> summation of the movie no you're covering it this is good this is uh, good there's a organized crime element i mean i don't know it's 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 a movie with a lot going on it's three hours long and um yeah <laughs> i don't know right i mean i think this this batman film has a probably i don't know if it's the most villains in a batman movie but it kind of i mean if you know some of the background with falcone is usually a villain penguin catwoman riddler like mm, that's get, cracking yeah. on four right uh i know I that so, yeah. what Batman and Robin had like three or something, right? I've seen that one. <laughs> well, um, well, if we want to get but, really nerdy, the, the Batman movie in 1966, I think, had Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman. But, oh. uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty silly movie as far as I'm aware. 
Um, yeah, that was a, the spinoff of the old TV series. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but um, I was surprised that Falcone was in the movie because I I played the Batman. There was like a Batman um, Telltale game on PlayStation, and Falcone mm-hmm. and the the complex between um, the Waynes and Pe- uh, Penguin is like part of another rich family as well. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of show a little bit of that stuff in this movie where they're like Falcone's connected to the rich families and the Arkhams, right? Like there's another rich mm-hmm. family. So there's like some some history in in um, Gotham that that is dived into more nerdily in, in I guess, other <laughs> forms of media. Um, yeah. So I was surprised that they were kind of putting some of those pieces in there when I felt like most of the focus was the hunt for the Riddler in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. but it all kind of plays together, right? I want to just get this out of the way uh, before I get into my feelings about this movie. And I, I want to hear your your kind of take, your broad takeaway right after this. Mm-hmm. But I bought tickets for this film and apparently I bought them for the wrong day, which was very frustrating um, oh. because I had really good seats. And they were like, "This, these are for tomorrow, so you can either watch it today. We'll we'll honor your tickets, um, but you got to sit like at the second to first row, right?" Um, and so I was just like, "Whatever, like I want to see this movie." Um, so I took the front, like the, the close to the front row, and they had recliners, which is kind of nice. But it was just, I think it was just a difficult viewing experience in general. I mm. also took um, my girlfriend Jules, who. Mm. <laughs> I tried to warn her because she really like she there's some types of movies that she dislikes. She's I, I would tend to think that Juliana is more of a movie disliker than a liker. You know, she doesn't really <laughs> like to explore genres she's not interested in. So fantasy, uh-huh. sci-fi, no way. It's not happening. Um hmm. she doesn't like true crime. I guess she had like a, a a phase where she was like into it and now she's like I don't really I'm just not that interested in like movies about murderers and stuff. Like it's just not that good. And we were talking afterwards about it and I was like, well, I haven't seen Zodiac. Have you seen Zodiac? And she's like, yeah, that one's good. Um, but like, I think it's because it's based on a true story, you know, like there's something more real about it. It's not like glorifying like these disgusting kind of killers and stuff and i was like all right you know like i i get it um i mean i, I guess right about it. it's a great movie yeah yeah um because i know she I, she had seen it and i was like so you're gonna just say you didn't like it and she was like no i mean i think that movie is good i liked it um so the, having that side conversation and having a kind of a bad viewing experience and going with a girlfriend that really didn't want to go too much right um yeah that's brutal three hours of a movie yeah well you know i was like hey the guy from twilight's in it you might enjoy it and there's the parts (laughs) where there's the parts where he takes his shirt off and she's like why does he look so terrible like she kept saying like he looks awful in this movie like he just looks just and then and then in the middle of it she starts like spewing twilight facts she's like did you know they had to pull his skin back to get the six pack in twilight. Like he was so skinny that they had to like yank on his skin to make it look like he had a six. I was like, okay. All right. And I was like, well, he definitely looks more Jack. Don't you like him now, Juliana? And she's like, no, he's gross. He's a hot mess in this movie. I don't know what's going on. Well, you know, he, he famously um, didn't do, he didn't really get in shape for the movie. I think he talked about, he, he wasn't like, he's like, I don't want to do all this. Like Christian Bale gain a bunch of weight for the movie. I think he was yeah. kind of like, whatever, but 
I didn't well, notice I mean, whether he looked good or not. I mean, but no, I, I don't think he looked bad. You know, cool. he's definitely, definitely, definitely uh, fit, more fit than me. So what am I going to say? Yeah, he's you know? he's a handsome guy. Yeah. Um, all those things I think kind of played in to sort of my confusion with this movie. Towards the end, I just wanted it to be over, and mm-hmm. I felt like it really. The longer it went, the more it kind of overstayed its welcome. And the more I began to get frustrated, most specifically at the editor, um, because I just felt like there were so many moments in this movie where I was like, why? Like, just why is this going on for so long, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Probably the ending sequence is where it got the most just like obnoxious to me with like it has like five different endings uh and uh-huh. yeah it, it, each time it like just continues to linger um speci- like with with Batman and the, the love interest at the end right I don't know I'll try not to spoil anything like there's like the goodbye moment yeah there there's the goodbye moment but then it cuts to like this random like montage of them just like driving together you know <laughs> I was like, what is this, dude? Like, just get to it, you know? Like, I don't I, care funny, about this. That's like the one part of the ending I, I like is where they they race each other. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. And I thought it was really funny that multiple times in the movie, him and Catwoman were, were like racing <laughs> motorcycles. It was kind of cute. It just but, didn't uh, make... I, I was like, why, though? Like, I, did, I just but, don't... But I agree with you that it's insanely excessive, for sure. Yeah. So it kind of left me with a feeling of like, okay, the longer this movie went on, the less I liked it. And it, it, I, I, I like some of the stylistic elements of the filmmaking. I mean, I think having some context, Cameron made us watch some noir films, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool to see some of the ag- like aggressive approach to being like, we're going to do the heavy rain. We're going to do some of the cool you know, detective stylizing, uh, mixing it with Gotham City, you know, doing those heavy, like, dark uh, spotlights, red colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that this movie is, um, I don't I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like it's not going to do well in time. I think it's really hyped up. I was very surprised how positive people are about this movie. Mm-hmm. And how un like unenthusiastic I feel about it. Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, yeah. What what do you think, Juzo? What was your takeaway watching it? Well, that's an interesting other discussion to to have, maybe separate from the quality of the movie, is how the movie will endure. Because I have a lot of thoughts about how superhero movies or just popular movies in general, their legacies continue, kind of irrespective of how good they are, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the movie itself, I had a similar kind of very not good experience the first time I saw the movie on Friday because it was, um, for me, it was just, I was, I was sleepy. Like I just, sometimes I'm in a movie and I don't fall asleep, but I just start zoning out and my brain just starts like dis <laughs> dislocating from the movie. And so yeah. I was just like, you know, I'm scratching my arm and I was in one of these theaters that's actually a converted balcony. So I can't do my normal trick, which is to get up and kind of just walk around pace in the back of the theater to wake myself mm. up. So yeah. I was just in hell for the entire three hours, just like sort of trying to concentrate on it and get a sense of it. 
But luckily, I went and saw it again last night, and we saw it in the the main theater. We saw it perfect conditions, and I stuck with it. And I have to say, my opinion of the movie itself, even though I didn't have the hellish, oh, I can't stay awake experience, was pretty much the same and similar to what you're talking about, which is that it's it's definitely not it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I've I've certainly seen worse, even in this genre, even in Batman movies. But it's 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 just boring. I mean, it's just so boring. Sorry, I'm not supposed to curse. <laughs> Excuse me. But it's no, just a boring, it's just a boring movie. And and it's it is I would I would attribute that to the runtime, except for the fact that I've seen great noir mystery thrillers and great Batman movies that are the same length and are completely exciting. I mean, The Dark Knight Rises is almost the same runtime. And mm. I think we both agree that that's a movie that is anything but boring. I mean, say what you want about it, but that's an entertaining movie. Yeah. And this, it was just so devoid of, to me, it was a devoid of a lot of character, at least on the part of Batman. He was not very interesting as a person. And unlike the Nolan ones, he was not surrounded by an ensemble that you follow. It's the movie is stays with him. Yeah, um, I thought the supporting cast actually was very good in the movie. And there's a lot of really good performances in the movie. But the whole um, I mean, his arc, I just was not super uh, engaged with. And I didn't think it was very well thought out. And in terms of a mystery story, it's it's just so again, just so, so drawn out. There are so many things, especially when you see it the second time, because the first time you watch a movie, you're kind of just in it. and You're like, oh, this is kind of cool what I'm watching. Like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is good. But once you know where the story is going, you, you can then watch it and go, oh, this you could just cut this cut this thing out. I mean, you don't need this scene. I mean, even the opening of the movie, which is kind of a cool thing where you're seeing, I think, from the Riddler's point of view and you're spying on this, uh, you know, who's going to man who's going to be his victim. Um that, that whole sequence in terms of this, not just the story of the movie, but in terms of really any aspect of the movie could just be removed and you could have just started with uh, Pattinson's I am the Batman, whatever monologue, and you wouldn't really you wouldn't miss it. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I It's it's um it's tough. I, it was a movie I was really, really excited about. And I had very high expectations for on account of the trailers look great. I think visually. I have issues about the way it is just really dark, you know, and some mm -hmm. certain shots in the movie, but it is a good looking movie and much better looking than almost every superhero movie that you see. And certainly from Marvel, but really anywhere. Um, and, and, in, and when there are action sequences, they have a real sense of momentum and there's, there's real, um, I don't know, there's weight to them in a way that you don't, um, have I mean I'm, I was thinking a lot about the the Spider-Man movie because that's kind of like the last big blockbuster superhero movie that came out I think and that movie it looks horrible like it doesn't look good at all and the action in it is completely is all just CGI and just very weightless and yet that movie for all those flaws and and it was a pretty long movie I was entertained by it and I and I smiled watching it and was, you know, crack, you know, chuckled a few times and uh, ultimately was even a little bit emotionally moved by it. And those I can't say any of those things about the Batman movie. So I don't know. Yeah, I think 
this movie, or at least some of the interest I've heard from the casual audience that I've talked to, is that people mm. wanted less Bruce Wayne and more Batman in some of the Nolan stuff. Um, and and it's not usually like a negative thing. It's usually spun as a positive thing where they're like, I love Batman. I can't wait for more Batman. I love, like I had this coworker who, when the trailer came out, he was like, oh, that was just so cool when he was like punching the guy over and over again. Like, that's just like, dude, like Batman is amazing. Like I just, I, I need more Batman in my life, you know? And, and I was like, okay, you know, like I can see maybe how some of the, the Batman fanatics can watch this movie and it's like just great to see him on screen again. It's cool to see him in a brutal uh, way, you know, where he's, it's weird. He's like, he's acting like older Batman, um, but, Mm -hmm. but, but he's he's younger, younger, you know, Um, I always like old grizzled Batman who doesn't care anymore. I think that's like my favorite (laughs) sort of like um, representation of Batman and the, and sort of the, the father son dynamic that plays out with him and Robin. Like I, I really feel like mm-hmm. a, a movie hasn't nailed that yet. And there's so much potential there. I'm still waiting for my Batman beyond movie. I'm still thinking that that's going to be, I mean, did you watch that show? Juzo? No, no, no. Is that, that's a show. Oh dude. It's so good. It's like, basically huh. um, it's like Bruce Wayne is retired. He's like super old. He's not Batman anymore. He walks with a cane and there's like a teenager hmm. that like breaks into his house or something like, and hmm. he ends up like, it's like the, the city is like Gotham's cyberpunk in the show or something. Like it's all in the future. Hmm. Um, and so Bruce Wayne like is like, well, you can clean my floors, you know? And then he finds out he's Batman on accident. And, but then he's just even more mad. Like it's good. It's like, That's it's a really good this- dynamic sounds a little like dark knight rises in some ways at least the Kane and and robin i guess but yes yes a little different because nolan's like sort of was moving as the movies progressed he was moving away from the batman aesthetic to more like a crime movie or a michael mann movie you know right um which uh fine with me but but for if you are really into the batman and the noir aspect which frankly this is another thing I was just excited. I, I mean, I'm with those people, not as like a Batman fanatic, but like I've played the video game and I, my dad is a huge Batman guy all his life. Yeah. And I, if you said Batman noir mystery, that's inspired by the David Fincher serial killer movies, I'd be like, absolutely. And that's what I was expecting right up until yeah. I saw the movie. And it, it fulfills those, um, those desires on a surface level, but as storytelling, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't rise to that level. I don't think at all. You think of some of Batman's most iconic moments where he's like crouched down. He like kind of picks up dust off the ground with his fingers. He's like sniffing it. And then he's like, Alfred, give me a reading on this chemical, you know, like you want, Uh you want some Uh of that, you know? And I feel like this movie doesn't have any of that. Like it's, it's basically, it's basically Batman looking at a riddle going, yeah, yeah, uh, that's the answer. And I was like, that wasn't fun. You know, that wasn't exciting. That's a very good point. Yeah. It's like a treasure hunt. That's kind of what this movie feels like. It's like when you, when you're a little kid and you're, you have clues and one clue you solve and it leads to the next one, but it's not, there's not really a fun sense of process to it, which I mean, it is one of the silliest scenes in the Nolan movies, but there's that really fun scene in Dark Knight where Batman carves out a piece of the wall that a bullet went into 
and he reassembles the bullet in a computer. Yeah. Thumbprint. And it's so ridiculous, but it's like, it's fun to watch. Like it's just fun to watch. And Alfred has some quippy lines and the music is zipping along. And the, the sense of momentum to me is, is what distinguishes this movie or lack of momentum distinguishes this movie the most from those investigative, you know, serial killer movies that I really like. And from the Nolan movies or other good superhero movies is those movies, you watch the Nolan movies, he's always, you know, cutting between things, you know, that whole sequence where he solves a bullet thing. In between that, you're also watching Morgan Freeman, the guy attempting to blackmail Morgan Freeman, which is just hilarious. And it's just there's a sense of fun to it, even though those are, quote unquote, the serious Batman movies. Um, yeah, and this this movie, it was like it was just like the no fun zone. I mean, and I again, I'm it sounds hypocritical for me to be on this show when I'm always castigating you for being like, can we just have some fun in our movies? <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, when it's Batman, I would hope to have a little bit of fun during the movie. And also, um, it's not like the movie is giving you really much else outside of fun, which is what I'm always arguing for. And maybe some you know, art house, boring ass movie that I show you guys. Um, you know, it's not, it tries to be kind of a social commentary, but I don't really think it's, it's, it's a very just surface level. Just the idea of, of the corruption of, uh, the billionaire class and people in power and, um, you know, exploitation of people. I mean, it's just very, like, these things are bad, but it's not, it's not really a, those things don't really satisfy on a storytelling level, I don't think. I feel any of the like social depth or deeper ideas brought up in this movie were just, they felt like childishly tacked on. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't think that like even even the conclusion of the film, um, and we we did we haven't really got too deep into spoilers. We're going to, so this is your mm-hmm. last chance, right? Um, but the, the ending of the film with the whole like vengeance into hope, I was like, this is just like, what is this? You know, like it just feels like very, um, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel earned. It feels very like, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just, it felt like they needed to try to be deep because Nolan's movies were deep. That's that's what it felt like at the ending. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, yeah. Nolan had these great these great ideas of like, re- remember the end of the the Dark Knight where he's like, uh, you know, sometimes being a hero means being the villain. What a line, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember mm-hmm. being on the playground and kids saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, this is yeah. right. Um, and so they're like, well, we got to do something like that in this one. But the, the difference is that that movie sets up that entire like payoff. That's like the, the, yeah. the ending moment is like, that's the statement and it works because you've been experiencing everything leading up to that. This movie, I think it had like the whole idea of like being like the, the, the concept, right. Of being vengeful there's some great commentary you can dive into, but it's, it doesn't feel like this movie really addresses the, I guess the suffering that might come with being a vengeful icon. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and again, it's, it's, it's being tacked on is, is, is an accurate way to describe it because there's, you know, throughout, are we getting, is it okay if I get into kind of spoilers here? No, we, we, we gave the warning. Go do it. Oh, okay. okay. So, so when, 
the whole thing happens where there's this exposure of the corruption within the police department in particular, but in, in, and throughout the you know polit- political world of Gotham, you know, it's, 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 that's exposed. And then they have this moment where they bring out Falcone and, and it's just in like one line where they say something like, there's a lot of good cops too. And you see all the cops arresting Falcone and it's like supposed to be a satisfying moment in it. It doesn't land with any impact because it's completely unearned and it's just sort of, a line thrown in that has nothing to do with the story. Compare that to The Dark Knight, where the whole movie is about the Joker forcing them to, um, and especially Batman and Gordon, to um, abandon their values and kind of bring themselves down to his level. Then it becomes so much more. It's I mean the whole moment with the fairies and the the, the two fairies, you know, trying to blow each other up is so emotionally impactful and and really um i mean has so much more impact than whatever they're trying to do here and then the same thing with batman at the end of the movie there's this kind of weird moment where he he sees the guy he's beating up this guy right one of the riddler goons right right and then he says the guy says he says who are you and the guy says i am vengeance and then of course that's what batman said early in the movie when he was beating up some goons in the subway right and he gets this look on his face like oh my god i'm i'm just like this guy i'm just as bad as this guy and then he has this moment of great heroism where he he saves people from being electrocuted and he guides them almost like in this christ-like image um, right the whole yeah, like out of baptism the, or whatever out of the water which i mean is visually is actually really cool but yeah but it, but i'm watching and i'm going like it's not really like Batman was a terrible guy in the movie. I mean, I, I'll give, I'll grant some fairness that he's motivated early in the movie a little bit more out of self-interest, I suppose. Or or he's he's beating up those guys in the subway for his own ego. But it's still like, he's. it's not like he is, I mean, the Joker forces Batman to do worse things or worse things, quote unquote, in The Dark Knight than anything Batman does of his own volition in this movie. And and it's and having this guy say, I am vengeance, it like tricks your mind into thinking for a second, oh my God, he's just as bad. But this is a guy who was a terrorist and was like trying to kill a bunch of people. And Batman was beating up a bunch of guys in the subway who were attacking this Asian guy, which is also kind of a coded scene with, you know, current events also. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a very forced character art, quote unquote, that yeah I, is is phony to me it could have worked if they just full sended an r rating and had batman killing people at the beginning of the movie honestly or him doing like yeah or or him just being more morally you know just bending the law more or doing anything and killing people it you know, could be something but even if he was killing you know people who are aggressors i mean for me i'm just like okay i know there's a the batman rule about killing people but for it to really be powerful i don't know there had to be more effort in the writing of the movie to develop him as as this flawed character but as it is he's kind of just a boring detective yeah i guess he who's he's prone to some emotional outbursts but he's not really that bad i feel like the movie just pulls its punches a lot in terms of um a, a lot of this you know there's the only real interesting narrative turn is where Batman finds out his father had some sort of moral scruples and mm-hmm. worse than that. And, um, and he's his life, his, his lifelong vision of his father as this bastion of good is, 
is kind of reconfigured. But even that is, you know, undercut by Alfred kind of explaining it in this way where it seems like, oh, he really was trying to do the right thing and it wasn't as bad as it really seemed. So even that moment, I, mean, I think that's kind of one of the best scenes of the movie. And Andy Serkis is really has a really great performance in that in that uh, yeah. hospital scene. Yeah. But it, it it's another moment that it feels like the movie wants to go far, uh, you know, down the road of, oh, Batman's going to reckon with his father doing something really horrible. But we're going to pull it back a little bit. So it's like he did something kind of bad, but it wasn't as terrible. And frankly, I have to say, and I know I don't know if you're a really big fan of this movie, but like Black Panther did the whole thing of the the sins of the father and or or mm. the, the son realizing the sins of the father far more effectively and and um, as I don't know, just much 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 more uh, dramatic and um, dramatically satisfying than in this movie. It's funny you bring up. Black Panther, because that was a movie Jules and I talked about after coming out of the theater of this film. Mm. And we were talking about how the Riddler character tries to compare himself to Batman, right? Uh, that they have like similar goals, but like different ways of like getting about them, right? They were trying to set that up where he's like, oh, we're on the same side, you know? Um, and I was like, you know what movie did that better was Black Panther, <laughs> that was like a much better version of like how uh, it was like they both wanted the best for Wakanda, but like it, it was they just had different approaches of doing it, you know, um, mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, who is it? Warmonger. Is that the guy, the villain uh, in the Killmonger? Killmonger. Like mm. Killmonger. Michael like he's he's somehow like. um like almost just compelling of a character in in that movie. As a matter of fact, I think Michael B. Jordan is like kind. Of, he definitely steals the show in Black Panther, right? Oh um, yeah, he's, he's and great. and so as I was thinking about the Riddler character, right? Uh, maybe we, maybe we can move on to him as an adversary. Um, mm. Although there's a couple other things I want to talk about with Batman real fast. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to de derail my thought, um, but. Let me let me just say the last few things about Batman, and then we'll get into yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. the Riddler. With Batman stepping into the role as the new war detective in this film, one of the things I couldn't stop thinking about is how charismatic and you know full of life most detectives in these new war films are. Um, mm -hmm. Think of like Humphrey Bogart flirting with girls. He's got that classic, like, I'm a PI and I'm not a cop, and I got my own way of doing things. Down here, I've walked the streets for years, and Sugar, can you tell me what's going on with Robert something, you know? Like, they, they have, like, this charm to them, right? I, I don't think Batman fits the, like, charming role in this movie, but he potentially could have if they had set him up to be this character that was more than just you know a fear like a fearing a fearful like figure or just moody angsty kind of boring i mean think about how charming and cool he is in tenet and how how kind of crackling his banter is with with uh, john david washington i mean 
Yeah, you could definitely imagine because because the guy who plays Gordon is feels more in that vein. He was fun mm. to watch, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. He, he's a very underrated actor, and um, who's one of these guys who you've seen in a bunch of things, like you don't even know it, but like he's in the last James Bond movie and the last Wes Anderson, and he's he's great, and he's he's doing the charming kind of like fun um, detective banter, but he he has a partner in Batman that's just completely dead weight in terms of being a fun character but Um, batman is supposed to be cool right like he's at least mm. supposed to have that going for him i found Mm. that this movie relied so much on his footsteps as an entrance like i thought that was so like the first time it was kind of cool but like every other scene afterwards it was driving me nuts where you just hear his footsteps and i'm like Oh my gosh, just like walk on the screen. I, w- I would have rather had you glide down. Like, I felt like they just took away so many cool elements about like Batman's character or that made him like feel a little bit more um, like, like, like the underdog you're rooting for, right? Because Batman doesn't have superpowers. And when they take away his iconic cape glide for a, a squirrel suit, and then have him hit his head on a bridge. Like, what right. was even going... I was like, where is the cool Batman, you know? Right. It's just that's, like that's, he, he he walks in, he punches people, he has no cool gadgets, and the the cool gadgets that he does bring out, like, they he gets hit on the head with, by a bridge, you know, like what, 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 what am I missing here? You know, that's, that's one of the instances where I feel like the movie is, is at odds with itself in terms of what it wants to do with him. Because on one hand, he's super sullen and he always knows the answer to the mystery and he's, he's getting the job done throughout the movie. But when you have instances like him hitting his face on a bridge and hitting a trash can, like out of, you know, like a comedy, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's something out of out of a, a a version of Batman where he is a young kind of inexperienced superhero, and that mm. would be something I'd be interested in seeing. And I think the movie goes in that direction a little bit in terms of certain aspects of his demeanor, or I don't know. There's not many. I guess I guess one of the bad guys gets the upper hand on him towards the end, but it it's in terms of his character itself, it doesn't feel like he's. Um, you know, messing up or anything for most of the movie. It's just very inconsistent in terms of what it wants. Like that's that part where he, he hits, you know, on the bridge, it would, it would make sense if the whole movie you were watching this guy who's kind of bumbling or he's, he's getting the, his bearings as a superhero. But for the most part, it's not really like that. So it, yeah. it just kind of comes off as, as wishy-washy about what the filmmaker uh, wants, wants to show about him. He sways, from like being basically a flawless villain stopper, you know, (laughs) he like Mm -hmm. to like weird moments like that, where he's strangely beaten Um, Mm -hmm. because his earliest presence in this film has like xenomorph quality where he's like this kind of, he's almost like this fear. Yeah. Like fearful, unstoppable figure. And this is a like, that's what's weird to me about this Batman is it's like, Batman was never Superman, you know, like Batman's Mm -hmm. never been an unstoppable figure. He's always been a smart, like he's always Mm -hmm. outsmarted people. Right. And so I was very, Isaac. I I felt like that 
lone, charismatic PI character could have easily been filled by Batman um, as f- fulfilling that like noir detective role. I just thought it was weird that they put him in a, a, a like they designed him like Superman, but like a dark, fearful Superman, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then like the Batman that I'm used to seeing, you know? Um, yeah, I think they probably just wanted to. You disappeared there for just a second, but you're. I think you're back. You're good. And oh. um, but uh, yeah, they wanted to, they wanted him to be. Um, yes, I think they probably wanted to fulfill what the people like what you're talking about. The the like Batman is awesome aspect of it, which you get when he beats up twelve guys in a subway. Yeah. Um, but they're not they're not willing to go to that place where even in Batman Begins, there's a sense of that where 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 Batman is. Um, you know, he's beaten, he's beaten by the scarecrow or he's, there's even a part where Batman, he gets so messed up that I think Alfred has to like pick him up and take him home at one point. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like, he's like staggering around in the, in the rain. Um, this movie also, by the way, it's just a small moment, but there's a really kind of odd thing that happens at the end of the movie where he's been really like beaten down and he's up on that, you know, catwalk or whatever. And, um, Catwoman's been being attacked and he he like can't get himself up, so he injects himself with something and you know liquid cocaine or whatever, and he like <laughs> I jumps know. up. What was and that? He, and it's like one of those things where it's like okay, in the world of Batman, that the bat adrenaline can exist, yeah. But you have to set that up. Like that's a really yeah. weird thing to just have come out of nowhere. And who maybe in a the four hour original cut of the movie which i'm sure right i'll bet this movie's original cut was like five hours um, yeah they probably maybe set up they, they did a good job setting up his little emblem bat knife that he uses to cut the wires at the end because there's a little shot where he cuts through the uh caution tape or you know crime yeah. scene tape um but the, the bat him injecting himself like <laughs> dicaprio <laughs> snorting cocaine in the wolf of wall street is just utterly uh kind of a strange moment comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know that I, maybe it's just, it was too much of a meme to cut like or something. They were like, well, that one's going to do well on TikTok, So leave it in, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> they were think, like, right. I don't know if Matt Reeves knows about TikTok, but I don't think, I don't think theory. it's, I don't think it's worth cutting. That could be used for some internet joke. So leave it in. Um, <laughs> that's fun. So <laughs> what an interesting, <laughs> one other thing I was going to mention is, is there's stuff in the movie where narratively, like if I was the editor, I would have cut out the whole thing where they start following the penguin and it turns, it just goes to a dead end. You could have removed that completely. But the problem with that is the best scene or best action scene in the movie oh, is yeah. in that. And I do oh my agree gosh. that the, that chase scene, that was pretty great. That right? that's that the tr- the chase scene, I mean, I sat too close to the theater, first of all. So <laughs> well, I really oh, had no yeah. idea what was going on. Um yeah. but the the moments that I could actually focus on what was happening on screen, <laughs> um, the sound design in the theater that I was in, it was so yeah. freaking loud. And yeah that just whatever they did to make that car sound the way it did in, in the movie theater, it's, it reminded me of like the chest rumble that I got watching Dune. So I was like Mm -hmm. very, I was very surprised to be having a moment like that halfway through where I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is like, this is overwhelmingly cool. And the sound design is, is just amazing. Um, and, 
I just, you know, like you feel it pumping in your chest and I'm like, dang, like Mm -hmm. this is just, I'm digging this, but it, it it just, I don't know. Like I, I kept thinking, I'm like, this is, this is like not the end of the movie. And (laughs) I kind of, I kind of like this feels finale-esque. So why is this in the middle? You know, like I, Uh I don't know. Um, No, I had that response or, or not exactly that, but when that happened, I was, I was like, this is incredible. This is so has such momentum and weight to it. And there's these, I love the shots that are mounted on the car. Like they really, Mm -hmm. that shot where the car spins and the other one flips over is like not just shot of the film, maybe could be shot of the year. Honestly, that's just incredible stuff. And it looks really real. I don't know how much of it is, but then I look at my watch. I'm like, wow, that was really exciting. But it took 90 minutes for this movie, the length of some movies for this movie to reach a moment where I'm going, that was really awesome. And I think that's kind of <laughs> a sign that it's not going so well. Honestly. And that's what, that's, that's what also sucks is you said like, Oh, it's kind of a dead end. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the whole, yeah. it, I don't even really remember why penguin is in this movie at all. Um, mm-hmm. He's got some connection to Falcone. He just, mm-hmm. it just feels like there's a lot stuffed in here. Um, and so I, I don't know, just on the subject of villains, I mean, yes, I agree with you, Juzo. That scene is, it's fantastic. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, maybe just, if you like Batman, you could just watch 15 minutes. Just watch that. Because <laughs> to be honest, it might just be good enough on its own, right? Like you don't need to watch the whole thing. The context yeah. is doesn't seem to matter as I think it back on not, it. Not important. I, I'm sure that yeah. will be viewed millions of times on YouTube when it finally goes up. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Riddler. And I'm going to kind of give my, like, synopsis on my feelings about him as a villain. Um, And this is going to get into something that I think people will label my perspective as being... I think uh, the the most fearful thing I've been thinking about talking about this film is that there was something about this movie that felt a little too dark to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I know some people will say wow, like Isaac is just a wuss or there's something like not, like what's up with you, Isaac? Like why would you say that? And this is how I'm going to phrase this argument because I've been really excited to talk about this. Uh-huh. When The Dark Knight came out and I was on the playground, people described the Joker to me uh, with the quote, do you want to know how I got these scars? And in my little elementary school brain, or I don't know, maybe I was in middle school, it was like fifth or sixth grade, right? Mm-hmm. That phrase and that idea of like the Joker sticking his knife in your mouth and cutting, because I'd seen the pictures of him. He's got cuts mm-hmm. up along the sides of his cheek, right? Yeah. My my perception of the Dark Knight movie is that it was going to be the most horrific, graphic, disgusting movies I could watch as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was terrified mm-hmm. to watch The mm-hmm. Dark Knight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I was genuinely a- yeah. afraid to watch this movie. Now yeah, I, my I had friend, the same. I had a cool friend who was who was telling me who's doing like the Joker lines in, in probably yes, like fourth yes. grade, and I remember yeah. being like, "Oh God, yeah." Exactly. And I meet I, I met Cameron in middle school, and he was like, "My favorite movie is The Dark Knight." I don't think I had watched it then. I was like, "Uh, no, I don't think I can watch this movie." You know, it's too scary for uh, me. Um, yeah. In my mind, I was like, "What I picture The Dark Knight to be like is kind of the darkness level of the Batman." This movie. Right. Um, what I think worked hmm. about the Dark Knight when I watched it, uh, 
is I was really surprised how the movie doesn't show too much, but it does something with the villain that's dark and twisted, but it's also intriguing. And that's the note I want to put, is that the Joker's presence in The Dark Knight, when he begins to kind of tiptoe along these dark, disgusting, like he's going to mangle your face with a knife kind of things, he Mm -hmm. does this performance that draws the audience in while also horrifying them. And it never really shows anything, but it's like you're so interested when he starts saying, my father was angry, right? Like you're just, uh, you're sitting in your seat, you know? Yeah, you're sitting sitting in your seat and you're like, I need to know what he's going to say and I have no idea if this guy's going to scar me for life right now while I'm watching this as an audience member, right? right? You're just bought in because there's this, intriguing element to him as a villain yeah the riddler i never felt intrigued and it was just he i felt like he just had violence and they did really neat tricks with like focus like he has that car murder scene where they like pull it out of focus there's horrific sounds of the guy like Mm -hmm. struggling he's getting something strapped to him yeah. And I'm watching it in the theater and my gut's kind of turning. I'm like, this is just kind of gross. But I didn't feel like I was being pulled in the way that like the Joker pulls you in, even though it's gross, but it isn't really. But something mm-hmm. about it is still giving you that dark sensation where like, I don't like what I'm seeing. But as an audience member, I'm also like really bought into what he's saying. The Riddler, mm-hmm. I don't feel like earns this call to be bought in on screen, you know, you're not like mm. drawn in by him. Instead, you're just disturbed and you can't see what he's doing, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and, and so that, that separation for me, I was like, well, yeah, he's dark and yeah, he's disturbing, but he's not intriguing and it makes it feel, um, just kind of yucky, which I know is not probably the best take. <laughs> Um, and well, I, yeah, so I want, I want to hear what you, what you think of what I'm saying. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll, what I'll, the one thing I'll give him, which I'll give really any of the supporting roles in the movie is I really enjoy watching Paul Dano, at least in this, you know, mm. that scene in the jail, he's fun to watch. He cracks me up. He reminds me, I don't know if you've seen there will be blood, but those parts no. where he's like screaming, it's totally reminds me of that. And it was just, I mean, I was like chuckling to myself in those parts of the movie. Uh, <laughs> Juliana was laughing <laughs> next to me yeah, whenever no, he was on screen. It, he, he starts, it's like so over the top, but it's, I think it's really good. And it, it, it is, it is, he is genuinely creepy. Um, but I think, I think probably what you're responding to and what I agree about is that, is that it's, again, it just has to do with the writing and, and how he's not, um, his plan and what he's doing, it's very, it's scary, but it's in a very surface level. It's just scary mm. in terms of he's, he basically a terrorist, I guess. Yeah. Um, the Joker was far scarier, not because he was doing more violent things. In fact, you see the Joker doing far less, um, far fewer violent acts in the Dark right. Knight than you see the right. Riddler do. But what was powerful about Ledger and powerful about Nolan's um, conception of the character is that he was a great manipulator of people and he was getting under people's skin. And he could that scene in the interrogation room, it's not scary because of his his physical presence or his um, uh, threat that he's going to do violence. It's the fact that he can wind up Batman 
so much that Batman is losing control of himself and he's able to just pull everyone along on like, you know, like their fish at the end of a fishing line. And that's what makes him compelling. I mean, the, the guy in the movie I watched today, seven is, is far more horrifying. That movie is far more horrifying than anything in the Batman by far. And you see the stuff on screen, but that again, it's, it, it works because you're seeing a more interesting master plan and, and seeing a much more interesting, um, manipulator. Whereas with Riddler, by the end, you kind of go, what was the point of him getting captured? What was the point of, of this whole thing? He gets captured and then his plan goes on. It's like, why didn't he just blow the, the, uh, you know, the bombs early in the movie? I mean, it, it just sort of, if it, it feels sort of, um, random, I guess. Um, so I, I guess that's what I would say. I, I enjoy him like many aspects of the movie, individual scenes, I think he's fun to watch and I don't, um, I mean, I'm sort of not, I don't, I didn't, uh, personally find him too like distasteful or anything. I, uh, yeah. He's to me, Paul Dan. I don't know. Paul Dano. I, there's an association with him. Paul Dano has played like, you know, Brian Wilson of the beach boys in movies. I mean, he's like, he's, he's a great actor who does not n- normally play roles like this, though. He kind of is a little bit playing his, uh, character in prisoners, which I think you saw. Except yeah, in prisoners, um, he, well, I mean, in prisoners, it ends up being a little bit different, but it's a similar sort of thing where it's it's a person who you're kind of scared of. Um, mm. But he's, yeah, he's fun to watch. But I agree, it's it's there's there's not much there, and it doesn't really um, it's it's not very satisfying. And I think you probably, I'm sure you feel the same way about the Joker being more compelling. I think. Well, I was I was thinking about other movies that I'd watch, like kind of gruesome serial killers act or or do terrible actions in, and it still came back to this idea of like, am I intrigued or interested in like figuring out who they are or something? And so I was thinking about um, Memories of Murder. Because I think mm. that movie is pretty gruesome at moments, but there's yeah, still upsetting. Yeah, there's still a um there was still like an interest in the pull in that movie, um, where like it wasn't that the villain was intriguing because you don't know who they are. It was more the mystery of who they are was like the intriguing part. And never in this movie did I feel like I was interested in who is the Riddler, you know? And the movie never mm-hmm. sets up that aspect, which could be pretty exciting. And it even has the potential to sort of turn some of Batman's villains on their head where you introduce a bunch of characters and it could be a little bit of a whodunit um, situation mm-hmm. where maybe... Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was kind of hoping... Wouldn't it be cool if Catwoman was the Riddler? You know, like I don't know, like <laughs> like where they just they just really Would've throw a curveball, you know, yeah, where yeah. where Batman's meeting all these different villains and he's trying to figure out who's this serial killer, um, but it turns out it's just a guy that you know you've never seen before. Like there's even just, a small, just a, yeah. Yeah, and there's but. a small moment where like Batman attends the funeral and there's a guy that talks to him for a second you know, in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do I know you? You know? And mm-hmm. I was like, who's that guy? That, that oh, like, oh, that's kind of cool if that's the Riddler, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if he's in other parts of this movie and he's going to keep popping up. 
like he's there all along. No, that mm-hmm. was just some guy, you know, like, I don't know who that yeah, was, was, right? That was just a completely I, I, pointless <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's in the movie, you know? I guess um, a little bit of co- social commentary, I suppose, but yeah. May- no, maybe. But that's actually very true. Yeah, you're you're watching a whodunit where you you already know who done it from the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, what, you what don't are you care. Really at? Yeah, yeah, and and once you once you yeah once you get to the riddle, that's the thing about the movie is it tre- a key problem with it with the plotting of the film is it treats all these things as big revelations. Oh my God, the Riddler, we captured him. He's here. But ultimately, it wouldn't make any difference in terms of what's actually happening in the movie, whether they captured him as they do in the movie, or if he just escaped again and then blew all the the uh, uh, the seawall. It wouldn't. It would mean nothing to the movie, and that applies to a lot of other than the thing about Thomas Wayne. It applies to so many other. You know, oh, it's the Penguin. Oh, actually, it's not the Penguin. Oh, you know, Catwoman says Carmine Falcone. He's he owes me this money, and Batman's like, why does he owe you the money? And she says, um, he's he's my father. And you're like, oh, my God, what a twist. But it doesn't make any difference. By the end of yeah. the movie, it there's no it would mean nothing different if that scene was not in the movie. And so I just. I, yeah. Th- yeah. And the ending with him getting captured and then doing the whole like online school shooter energy kind of thing where they're like, oh, let's let's get our followers to all go like lock and load, baby. I was just like. What That's a is big laugh this? Is when, you know? he's, when he says, "Thanks for all you guys, all you subscribers, or whatever." Yeah, I um, was like, "This just, this just feels." Comments. It feels like I'm watching Scary Movie Six again, or whatever, or Scary Movie Five, or something. Where I'm like, "What harsh, is, is this? Man. A joke? You know, like is this supposed to be like a little bit too goofy compared to like, uh." You know, you look at that versus like uh, the clown high scene and what a different amazing moment that is in the dark night mm-hmm. where in this mm-hmm. movie it's like there's a bunch of randoms but now they're yeah. they're, they're brainwashed, you know, and and, and that I, that scene is not even trying to be cool or anything that the clown heist. It's just it's it's not trying to be a, um a comment on because having the riddler be like a homegrown terrorist who uses social media to um enliven his followers into violence that's definitely the movie and the filmmaker trying to tap into modern anxieties and it just it yeah it means nothing because and then the 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 clown heist in the dark knight is not trying to be deep in any way it's just a cool action scene and it's great and it's people still remember it 12 years later or 14 years later um yeah i don't know i just I think my frustration with this movie is the more I think about it, the more I think the characters are just super boring. And I think the mm-hmm. most interesting character in this movie is Catwoman because I feel like she has pretty clear motivation and interest where she's like a burglar, but she also cares a lot about her friend. Um, mm. I think it's done That's sloppily, uh, yeah. but she at least, like, you know how she's playing on the board and everyone else. You're not uh, quite sure like what their, what their objective is or what they're trying to do or yeah, no, like I just, I don't know. I feel like Catwoman has the most complexity in the movie. Um, I think she's quite stunning on screen too. I, I don't know. I thought she, all of her scenes were um, more exciting than most when she's going to go shoot her father. I was like, 
I'm <laughs> wow. Like I, this is, yeah. this is exciting, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I find her kind of, again, she's kind of both her and Batman are very emotionally monotone in the movie, but you do make a good point that her, her motivation is stronger and you're more invested in her wanting to avenge her friend than in any of Batman's motivation, which is much more impersonal, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think she's a good actress. Um, Zoe Kravitz. She was just in a wonderful thriller called Kimmy. I'm not sure if you saw it. There's a movie called it's on HBO max. Highly would recommend that really fun movie. And so, so 89 minutes, so tight, just a great filmmaker top of his game. And, and she's, she's really good. Um, I don't know if I would say she was my favorite part of this movie, though. I mean, I think if I think of performances, I think Circus or I thought John Turturro, who played Carmen Falcone, was really good. I mean, really mm. kind of like menacing. And yeah. um, again, the you know, the whole conception of the whole s- story of the movie is is rocky, but his individual scenes are 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 quite good. Um, and I love Colin Farrell. He's totally doing Robert De Niro. Um, I just, yeah. the whole penguin stick was, was amusing to me, but, um, beyond that, and then maybe just a few, I'm like, I'm trying to piece together. Like what, what did I like about this movie? Cause I mean, I would definitely give it, you know, like a five out of 10. I wouldn't say it's horrible in any way, but I've mostly been saying bad things about it. Um, I think I, know, I like the premise, right? Like the premise of this movie, mm-hmm. a Batman noir film. Like when I talked mm-hmm. about this earlier, I want to see Batman crouch down, pick up some dust off the ground, call Alfred. We're going to piece together this crime scene. You know, like, yeah. how hard can it be? You add yeah. some rain, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. like, like, I'm just shocked that this movie didn't get that, right? And yeah, there are elements about this film that I think visually are cool. I like what they're doing with focus. I like what they're doing with... Mm-hmm. Um, I think the harsh contrast in this movie is is at least its style, you know, like at least it's got got some. Well, I yes, I will put an asterisk on that though and say that that the lack of contrast and the lack of the just the dimness in some of the scenes is is I find much like Dune, which this guy also shot. In parts it looks incredible, and then there are parts where it just looks kind of like slate. It just looks gray and very drab. Mm. And to my eyes, very boring. And I was thinking about when Fincher does these in seven, there's in the scenes in darkness, there's much more contrast and much more, um, you know, people, there'll be police entering a building, but there'll be these shafts of light going through vapor in the air. And it looks really cool. And um, people's faces, you know, half lit. And in this, it just looked... um, and I'm seeing this as a pretty a theater where they have pretty good projection. So I don't think it's dim projection. I think it's just um, uh, questionable choices with, with the cinematography. But on the other hand, in general, there is a lot of great looking stuff in the movie. And and I and the look of the the production design and the kind of blade runnery, rainy aesthetic, um, I really I dig that. I mean, I dig it in some ways more than the urban chicago you know dark night aesthetic um, yeah but i i just wish it was in service of a better story yeah the visual the visual look of the movie is very depressing um even even yeah. batman's like mansion is like 
they're just really scary. Like I when he <laughs> went when he went there, like it's all gothic looking. I was like, Juliana, this is actually a Twilight sequel. Like he's a vampire. <laughs> Juliana's like, what? He's a vampire in this movie. You know? Um I just I don't know, like I I think some some touches of the art design they they have something special that I think um you don't you don't see that kind of attempt in in modern superhero movies. I will agree with you that mm-hmm. when when you're talking about like n- now that I said it I was like oh some it's heavy contrast. I'm thinking of the premiere slider where you're like cranking up the contrast there's like hard blacks and hard colors but you think about a movie that's like The Godfather where there's like intentional contrast that's harsh. It blows mm-hmm. the, a movie like this out of the water where yeah. this movie or is like, it's, yeah. yeah. I've been looking so, at the new West Side Story a lot. You know, that, that the way Spielberg shoots stuff, it's just, I mean, not everyone can be as good as him, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Can I say one other thing that I unequivocally think is fantastic in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Is the music. I think I think Michael Giacchino's score of the movie is really, really excellent. And um, I mean, it, it helps. I've been listening to it a lot, I think, maybe leading up to the movie. But there's some really good stuff and, and also just some good, just propulsive kind of work in the movie also. I'm not sure if that was something that stood out to you or not. But but for me, in certain moments, it, it was it was very strong. Yeah, I, I don't know. Thinking. I don't. I don't know if I. I agree with this. The score being too amazing. We're in an age of, of movie scores that are unmelodic and more textural, right? Yes. I yeah. can't. T- it, it just feels so minimal that his theme is dun 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 dun. Like I'm like uh, that's dun, like two. That's dun, like dun. Two, it's, it's <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back theme. It's just like two kind of. notes over and over mm-hmm. again, right? Um, and so like, I, like, I guess composure wise, the score didn't impress me sonically, like in terms of sound design, I do, I do like textural movies. I mean, I think Hans Zimmer is the master of building scores that are just like texturally mm-hmm. stimulating in the theater. Yeah. Dune, yeah, you're Dune not humming is, them. yeah, yeah. Dune is, come on. We, you can't even question it. Some of his other really work good. with te- with Tenet, um, Inception, no, no, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Tenet's another guy, but yeah. And I would even argue, um, who's that Mandalorian composer that everyone's liking? Oh, yeah, Ludwig Göransson, who did who scored Tenet. Tenet yes. is one of the best scores I've heard in a in a while. I mean, My I bad. wouldn't put this. Yeah, I would not put Batman on that level. But but I do enjoy some of the. I'll tell you why I I highlight the score in particular. At the end of the movie, when he's racing away with Catwoman and they're doing their little race next to each other, there's this beautiful heart rending music that's playing that feels like the end of like a beautiful tragic movie. And to me, it was so effective that I almost the it was like Chikino almost got me to feel like I had to witness something really profound when then I go, wait a second, hold the fort. I don't care about this at all. I don't care about this relationship at all. But the music is so kind of, um, I don't, it, it, it swells in this way and it feels like if in, in the context that it would have been a great ending if it was a better movie that followed it, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, 
and there's a few other I, again it, it's like the it is like the the uh, dune stuff where it's not um noticeable in a in a melodic way though or not in in a i the thing about it is he he does have different themes for the different characters that are, there's a catwoman theme and a batman theme and they're sort of interspersed throughout and, and i think well used but um, I don't know. It could help that I listened to the music before I saw the movie. So I mm. kind of was like, I know the Catwoman theme. I know the Batman theme. Um, but I don't know. I really dug it. I, I always I've, I've dug Giacchino for my entire life. I mean, he's did the Incredibles and Ratatouille and up. I mean, yeah, he's, he's I was just the, looking at of some of some of his work because he's yeah. a name that I'm familiar with just being in an ensemble in middle school and in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Giacchino's work has always been impressive to me. And I think you look at some of his, like his, his, his music with the Pixar movies is top notch, right? I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's a bad composer. Um, mm-hmm. he has done work on Medal of Honor, uh, which to mm-hmm. me has some of the, some of the greatest, I don't know. Medal of Honor has got like some incredible music and I don't know mm-hmm. if you know this, but Spielberg's tied to Medal of Honor pretty heavily. So yeah, it was easy, like a consultant or something. I feel like I read something about that recently. No, I um, think his, um, I think he was, he had a pretty much a forward hand in like helping put together, um, the first game. I don't know about the second or the third, but it had to, hmm. it lined up with him, uh, working on, uh, saving private Ryan and he wanted to kind of do a little bit of transmedia with it. Mm-hmm. And so medal mm-hmm. of honor, linked with that but hmm. yeah no oh, that's cool yeah it's always funny how when they get these older guys who are into video games these older directors yeah but, i've, I've uh, heard yeah, better cool. I, I guess what i'm saying is i've heard better from giacchino like i'm just looking down here he sure. did the jojo rabbit score come on that's a great that score. was good that yeah was really good. um yeah. no I, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's the best but yeah it's but, uh no 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 he's just he's got a ton of great scoring work i don't think that this movie's score i mean like okay so it's on it's on tiktok it's getting streamed so maybe it will be remembered more you know but i don't know i don't know i i wasn't i wasn't overly like amazed by it but wait, it's wait, fun- like it the, was functional the, you're talking about the score yes for for the, the movie yeah because the whole thing you're talking about tiktok the movie's getting streamed on tiktok i'm like what no no i'm, um, I'm saying because tiktok plays into song streams as well and mm. there's there's popularity with uh Giacchino's batman theme because of mm-hmm. its use on tiktok as well so oh, i see uh, i see well it's interesting yeah. to see how people have responded to the movie just overall and how we're yeah. sort of it seems like people do really like it and, and my brother I just talked to him this morning and he, he thought it was great. Um, so I, I, it's more, I almost feel sort of left out cause I was so excited. I agree. About the movie and well, and I was like, hoping this seems like something I would like. And, and same with you too. I mean, we're people who enjoy a good superhero movie and a good Batman movie. And I don't know. I was hoping that you were going to tell me how I missed all these great things like this I movie. Wish, man. This movie to me feels like it has, like being a general viewer, I felt like I was missing out, not just like with the positive press that this movie's getting, but I felt like I was missing out on some of the filmmaking techniques. And it's interesting to hear from you that you're like, oh, I don't think the cinematography is like top tier in this film. 
Um, because watching it, being a little less, inf- or probably a lot more, or a lot less informed than you are, Juzo, watching it, I felt like I was like, I bet you there's something special about the style and the way it's shot. Um, so I'm going to just think that I, it's good, you know, it like, isn't, it isn't, it's a weird, it's a weird case. I very rarely have a movie where I'm going, you know, probably 70% of the shots I'm, I'm going, this is really like strong, you know, f- uh, filming, staging, that sort of thing. And then the other 30%, I'm kind of like, this is too dark and kind of murky and I'm not digging this. Um, it's definitely, it's a movie that's failing more in terms of, the monotonous tone and more than anything, the writing and the, and the storytelling. Um, but you know, for, for some casual people who watch movies or maybe even, I mean, there's a lot of people in the film Twitter, like people who are the quote unquote cinephile, um, who think the movie's great. So it doesn't seem to be just fans or just, a film nerds or just, you know, regular Joes who like the movie. It seems kind of just, um, I think it's kind of a situation like the star Wars rogue one movie where hmm. it's not, it's not bad. It doesn't dip below a certain level of badness in terms of the dialogue is fine. It's not embarrassing to watch. It doesn't, the movie doesn't make you cringe really at any point, but, and so for some people that's enough. And then just the cool visuals and kind of the, set pieces or storytelling are enough for them to just enjoy the movie for what it is. But, but much like Batman with rogue one, I was, I was watching and going, okay, this looks cool. It's even shot by the same guy. Actually, it looks cool, but I'm so bored and I'm not emotionally invested in what's going on at all. And in terms of storytelling, it's kind of like a, a a video game, which I don't, I don't mean to be pejorative about video games, but I mean, in the sense that a video game, the storytelling is is taking you from plot beat to plot beat. It's not so much about developing character. And for a video game, that's fine. I would much rather play a video game version of this Batman than watch hmm. this movie, um, actually. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I, man, yeah. No, that that's true. I think I, just when hearing you say that, I'm thinking of the Arkham games, which aren't perfect mm. games by any means. But. Um, pretty cool though. I mean, I, I played Arkham city. That's the one I played through, or at least the story through it. And I thought that was very, well, even just this, the story in Arkham city, the story in Arkham asylum, even in Arkham Knight, like there's, there's elements of that that felt more emotional than this movie. Um, Hmm. huh, really? And I mean, like just one of the plot points of Arkham Knight, which people hate, uh, they don't think that that game's that good. Um, some of the most of the writing is bad, but one of the uh, things they do is that, um, I guess spoilers for the Arkham series. Um, you've been warned Joker <laughs> dies in the second game. Um, oh. and uh, the third game, he appears as a figment of Batman's imagination as you play and just kind of makes <laughs> fun of you or begins to tease you or talk about how. Uh, who is Batman without the Joker anyways, right? And like, what a great like thing to interact huh. with as a player when you're trying to solve a crime scene and the Joker's in your mind kicking around things. He's like, I'm dead and you can't even stop thinking about me. You know, like, it's like, th- that, cool. to, 
Yeah, I'm like, that's way more interesting than anything I saw in this film. So yeah, I, I, I love the Mark Hamill Joker too, by the way. Oh yeah, dude. So good. So good. I'd actually say some people argue that Arkham Asylum, the first one, um, is like the best contained story and game in and of itself. So if you're interested, Asylum's probably the place to go. But I know City hmm. is probably the the fan favorite. Um just because it Well, I just I just like gliding around. Yeah, like yeah. Arkham City. It's really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much else to add besides the fact that I felt like I missed out. And I'm kind of, I'm a little bit bummed from our conversation, Jizo, because I think we had a good discussion. But I was really oh, yeah. hoping that you were going to shed light on something <laughs> I didn't see. At, because I was I like, was, why, why am I wrong? You know, like... It's funny. I was I was hoping kind of the same thing because I well first of all I just always enjoy when we have a disagreement because then it becomes more dramatic and I, yeah. I feel like I'm more <laughs> on guard about my opinion and I, I have to be sharper about it. Um, but yeah, I know I was I was kind of expecting you to like it just given um, uh, the way a lot of people seem to be liking it and it's, yeah. yeah I was looking at the IMDb ratings and it's rated very highly and you know in the top 100 or whatever which i think is so silly and i saw there at one point it was there was in the imdb top 250 it was this movie spider-man into the spider-verse which i think is fine and um and the joker movie um which by the way i kind of think this movie was kind of going for the joker that type of movie like we're gonna do a serious movie that's tackling modern themes and trying to um to take place in the real world, I guess. Um, and also yep. like Joker is very, very derivative of classic, um, films. Um, but I, but, I haven't seen Joker yet, but, Oh, there was oh, something okay. about this movie that I felt was kind like, I don't know. There, there's an interesting thought in economics when I was studying it about like economic depression or difficult points in history. Um, and we had a lot of conversations about COVID at the time because the end of my degree was during the first lockdown. Mm. Um, and one of the things that multiple professors talked about is like, just wait and see how dark media will reflect kind of the current feeling or situation in the economy or the way that people are feeling in terms of speculation and, and feeling towards like, I guess the future, because so mm-hmm. much of economics mm-hmm. is based on like kind of public perception of the future and being able to invest around that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to kind of see the tail end of COVID and some of the movies that have followed with that. And this movie feels very bleak, like not a lot of trust mm-hmm. in anyone in government. Everyone's corrupt or at least all mm-hmm. the, the white people are corrupting government, you know, <laughs> Um, and you know, like, but, but the movie like openly kind of states this and, and Gotham like is basically a third world country, just absolutely ruined. Um, and it's like, boy, that's probably Los Angeles in 20 years, you know, like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, um, I think the only reason people like watch this movie and aren't like, boy, this is like, like, I, I feel like people are almost okay with this sort of representation of the city and the government it's almost it almost feels like i i I don't know i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm reaching too far but i kind of feel like 
people wanted to see someone angry beating up the thugs and stuff. You know, there was something about that's culturally relevant about the way that Gotham's portrayed in this movie and the way that yeah. Batman feels and kind of stomps around yeah. like whatever. I'm sure. just going to beat up people, you know, or beat up the yeah. bad guys. Um, and I guess that's the that's the closest thing to maybe subversive that the movie is, is that you have the guy who's the serial killer, but he's going after the people who are doing ill to the city, the powerful people who are who are destroying the city and who are taking advantage of of the underprivileged, I guess. But um, I don't know. I mean, frankly, the Joker movie did a better job of portraying that kind of um, class, that kind of under yeah under yeah. Like class struggle. Yeah, even though the movie, as as kind of you know, much as that guy was shamelessly imitating Scorsese. That movie, in terms of story, did have a clear progression of character, of his mental descent and his ascent as a basically a cult figure for the city of Gotham. And it felt much more potent as as a kind of um, film about this sort of uprising that that takes place, I guess, sort of. Um, I'm not going to claim some masterpiece, which has been claimed by some people, but um it certainly is a much better film than this, in my opinion. And I, I would mm. recommend watching. I think you, you'd probably enjoy it, even though it's not, you know, it's kind of a kind of a dreary film. Um, yeah. It's well acted. Um, yeah, this movie, yeah. Has, it, this movie feels dreary and depressing and dark without really giving, like, like it doesn't use it to its advantage, you know? Like any, any of those, like, in, in any of the structure of the setting or I guess kind of the feeling of all the characters in the world. Um, I, I think like probably the Joker utilizes it to enhance conversation around class disparity. Right. Um, I mean, I guess so. I mean, look, I'm not going to say either of these are profound <laughs> really uh you know ideological or moral um you know manifestos uh they're they are entertainment that is putting on kind of buttering their surface with um modern concerns and anxieties but i just think the joker succeeded better as as storytelling that's that's basically as simple as i would as i would say yeah, I think that the phrase that you're using of like modern concerns or anxieties, for me, I saw that this movie was trying to do it, and maybe some people were like, oh, like I can buy into that tension, or I can, you know, like I'm relating with that anxiety, but for me, it felt like misused, almost. Like, I, I, I don't think it was like, they, they, they set it up to be something that could be related to or or kind of um easily understood by the modern audience um mm -hmm. but i don't know why you know like i'm not <laughs> like i'm not sure why they're using it because it's not saying anything too deep and so it just kind of feels like it, it i i don't know like it, it, it's when i said school shooter energy it's almost like the movie was like school shooters like that's something that's scary you know like this this movie <laughs> way, this, yeah, yeah yeah you know and i'm like well that kind of feels abusive to me you know like not not like not that you can't explore those things but it's almost making them 
less serious, you know, like it or yeah. or less like. I mean, I I I feel neutrally about it because the um, every, every mainstream movie throughout history is always taking um, from whatever the anxieties are, whether it's a, a noir film in the 1950s and it's, you know, nuclear concerns to, you know, Russians were the villains in a, in a certain periods of film. And I hope maybe again, I don't know, but uh, it, it always sort of moves. And then there's, you know, in the 2000s, there was all this stuff about, you know, like there, there were like Middle Eastern villains, you know, like an yeah. Iron Man, right? So there's, yeah. there's always sort of like a, a pretty surface level tapping into these things and yeah. very few and, movies. I'm trying to think of like, are there any big movies that tap into it? I mean, what's nice about the Batman that Nolan ones is he's tapping into it, but it's, it's not as, it doesn't feel as much like he's trying to be even in it, dark Knight rises where it's sort of like the occupy movement. It's not really, it's kind of it's, just a guy taking advantage of that kind of ideological, um, standpoint and then exploiting it for his own gain. I think um, I think no. what it is is that the the Nolan movies do it in a way that's more timeless, and this movie yeah. feels very like of the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I I guess when I brought up some of the the the, the economic conversation because it's like I think of this movie, I think of the movie um, Don't Look Up or whatever, or you, oh. you know that that oh. movie that came out, and it's like, oh. um, but I mean, you're you're totally right. We're historically, I guess some of these talking points or social talking points are kind of just plugged into movies. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, and, and there's a, there's a place for interesting political. I mean, like Spike Lee throughout his entire career, you know, like real artists who are making interesting movies will take from stuff. Literally. I mean, he'll, he'll lift the Rodney King beating and put it in the opening of Malcolm X just to make a resonant point about, repetition through history mm. and it's it's great and it's very powerful um but this did not feel really thought out and i and i think i don't know i mean, it's like not even really worth i i don't even really knock the movie for it because it's sort of it's not even really what the movie is is trying to do and <laughs> what is the movie trying to do then like that that's like that's what i'm just confused be a cool about mystery movie like i think it's just trying to be seven meets you know batman or, or zodiac or whatever um but and and on those terms it, the, it doesn't, doesn't really succeed. do that yeah so i mean like avengers is not trying to like those movies are not trying to comment on any societal ills they're just trying to tell a story and uh you know some of them are mediocre and in some cases they're great i mean i was thinking about avengers endgame i forgot what i was thinking the other day but i'm like that movie Again, I, I, the reason I was thinking of it is it's a three-hour long movie. And that movie, mm. again, it doesn't look very good. And the action is probably not as good. But it has interesting story. And there's characters. And there's development of character. And everything, almost everything. I mean, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. But almost everything in the movie feels like it's it's arriving at some place. And, and yeah. it's just not the case with this new one. Yeah. Well, Juzo, I think that pretty much wraps up our thoughts. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've we we could have we could have yeah. spun into another hour long conversation about <laughs> the the social issues and the representation representation in film at the current time. That would be a fun. Yeah. Uh, like we should break down a you know uh, a decade or something 
and look at the social issues and compare them to the prolific films of the of the time. But yeah, I, mean, I don't it would know. Be interesting. Yeah, I think I think there's some, and then there's some like The Dark Knight. Definitely, you could watch as a post nine eleven movie for sure. But it it stands outside of that also, and you don't have to even know anything about nine eleven or War on Terror to be to understand the context of the movie. Yeah, um, just like people. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. People will be watching um, Don't Look Up in 30 years and be thinking the same oh. thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, That's, well, uh, the movie's yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we recommending this movie for, Isaac? The curious, the casual, the uh, cinephile? Uh, I'm stumped, this, man. I, 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 I think it's, this defies your categorization system, I think. I think it actually, you know, it might just make it more clear. This is what's interesting about our rating, Juzo, is that if it's for the casual, or when we say it's for everyone, usually that includes the cinephile, but then there's those two middle cat- categories where they're like the casual and the curious. I'm like, that doesn't necessarily include the the, the categories almost around it. You know, it's like this weird, uh-huh. um, you could think of it linearly, like for everyone, for cinephiles, and then like there's like these void items with, you know, the curious and uh, the casual. I don't know. I've, I kind of feel like this movie is for the casuals because I don't think it's for everyone, but I also don't think that curious people or cinephiles will love it. I feel like it's like this weird middle ground. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I always sort of, you know, have a bit of a my hard time wrapping my head around the this rating system because I, to me, the... There's there's rating movies just in terms of how good they are or, or how successful they are at achieving what they're attempting to do. But then in terms of the way this rating is more about who would we recommend the movie to, right? Right. And for that, I tend to be less about like how interested in film you are, how much of a cinephile than just like, you know, there are certain movies like like a really great horror movie that I think are ex- accessible to anyone and are not... Um, impenetrable like some kind of really experimental film but there's a lot of people who it's like you have to be into a horror genre that has this amount of violence to be into this but batman it's just weird because it's definitely a movie that's made for everyone and it's intentionally holds back on the violence so that i saw people bring their little kids to the movie which i think is kind of not a great idea yeah Uh, i I would not recommend for the children it's it's pretty (laughs) Um, you know, I do not recommend for the children. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't know. Unless your children are like Quentin Tarantino when he was watching like violent films at four years old. But yeah, uh, go, go let them watch know. the Incredibles too. That's less scary. Wait. Oh, either. No. Incredibles. I mean, come on. Either. The Incredibles too. I feel like the Incredibles too has a better riddle Riddler sequence than, uh, this movie, you know? <laughs> Like honestly, sure. Then kids are probably way. more more scared of that than they are of this movie. They're probably I'm talking like, about a movie that's yeah completely pointless in terms of being made, but so fun. It's so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it's so well yeah. made. It's a great. I mean, it's 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 even with its flaws, it's still probably one of the best superhero movies of the last few years. Um, not to mention the first one, which of course is probably the best superhero movie ever made. That's maybe for topic for another podcast but yeah yeah well yeah i mean i agree with you it's not for children so maybe we'll just give it that rating for this episode uh not for <laughs> if children you're into batman maybe check it out but i don't know my dad didn't like it he loves batman so i really don't really wow. know where it 
you know it definitely feels like an in the theater movie though like it feels like hmm. if you put this on at home i would be so bored but even in the theater i felt like there are couples around me i probably like like jules where i just am like are people excited by this this movie has a lot of talking it's a lot of just um people explaining things there's not a lot of fun kind of brain like even like ant-man the wasp like your lousiest marvel movie it's not really that good but there's a sense of fun to it and pace and it's zipping along but this movie i don't know if the yeah, kind of casual viewer would dig it in that way so we got we got up to leave and there was like one guy that slow clapped at the end of it and <laughs> in, in in my theater and i was like that basically sums up how i feel right now one guy yeah. was like he couldn't even muster like a full applause for himself. He was mm. just like, you know, that <laughs> like three or four claps. And it was like, okay, <laughs> all like, right, I'm well. done. Yeah. Yeah. So not the opening experience he probably wanted to have. Um, no, no. But. Even in our theater, we have a, we go to a theater where people clap after every movie and, uh, there was pretty smattering or like no applause in the big theater. So I think this movie will have know. a pretty hot, like, first two weeks in the box office i think it's gonna drop like a rock i don't think people are gonna i I don't think people are gonna want to go back to this movie like uh some other movies where it's like spider-man the spider-man movie i feel like people wanted to go see it multiple times i don't know if people want to sit through this movie again Um, clearly some people do because it's it's sitting on an 8.6 imdb like clearly some people dig it and you know i'm happy for them including my brother but yeah um clearly we're not we're not part of that love, sadly. So, I don't know. Well, if I mean, we would love to hear why you think this movie is good. You can, you know, write us in on Patreon mm-hmm. if you pay at that level. Honestly, just message us, DM us. Yeah, We're on social you. stuff at ECFS Productions on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. You can even email us at ECFS Productions <laughs> at Gmail. I don't care. You know, like I'm just, I'm curious to hear like some people talk about this movie. Um, with like clear, like points where they're like, this is what really sold it for me, or this is where it really came together for me. Um, because I'm I'm interested. I I feel left out. I feel like I've missed out on this movie somehow. Yeah. So, yeah. Juzo, again, thank you for your time. Um, yeah, this is still coming out on Monday night, so we do post every Monday. Um, we appreciate your guys' support, and we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.